All right. We are, we here, are here with the Home Field Advantage podcast coming to you for our second time in 2023. This is Big Mo, and I have Action Jackson with me here on the line. Action, you there? Here is always Big Mo. Uh, Ready to see what uh, this episode has in store for us. I am, I am too, Action. Well, we have gotten into our, I think it's safe to say, with the college football championship ending uh, and the Georgia Bulldogs absolutely crushing the Texas Christian Horn Frogs in the college football championship. Can we say that the 2022 college football season is now over? I mean, as far as the uh, on-the-field action, uh, sadly enough, our, our our favorite time of the year is past. Uh, and you know now there's you know now you'll you hear off-season talk for five or six months, spring football, all this you know boring recruiting stuff nobody wants to talk about. Uh, well, I mean first. that's that's the kind of stuff we rely on you for, action. Yeah, the boring recruiting portal. The transfer portal is going to close in about six days. Uh, uh, from what I from what I'm hearing, Arkansas has got a 73 roster of scholarship players uh, on the roster, so they're you know they're still looking to fill about 12 spots. Uh, you know, and okay. they have uh, they have obviously up to uh, the national signing day to do so. Uh, you know, they're not on any kind of time crunch. Uh, they have had a good week uh, as far as everything I understood. Uh, and when I when I get it all in front of me, Big Mo, I'll break it down for the uh, for the listeners every name. Okay, and, uh, just good. So they'll, they'll know. But, you know, let's just remember the name of uh, Isaac Tesla. Uh, he is, uh, he's from the FCS level. He had over 1,300 yards. Uh, he's six four receiver, and he had offers a huge offer list, and he chose Arkansas. Uh, so I mean that that was a big pickup for him, and uh, you know Coach Pittman is uh, he's not just staying in that transfer portal, but he's he's trying to have impact players come out of that transfer portal for his team, and uh, I think he's done a good job of it. So we'll we'll see what he's able to do this year, and. The, the humorous thing is, Big Mother, now national rankings for how well you do in the transfer portal. Last check, okay. Arkansas was ranked number five in the entire wow. in transfer well, that portal is, recruiting. So That's great. Uh, kudos to, to the new guys on staff and, and Coach Pittman and, and what they're trying to make sure that Arkansas is ready for coming into this next season. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm definitely optimistic about this next coming year. Um, and you said in six days, we'll kind of know where we stand on, on everything. But, uh, you, you mentioned, now you mentioned this, uh, this, is it Kessler? Tesla? Uh, Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. The Tesla, team. like the car, All uh, right. you know, like the, like the car company, you know, uh, one of the, you know, one of the richest, uh, you know, products in the, in the world, I think he spells it a little different. I think it's T E S L A A. Okay. Uh, let's let's hope young. he's got some electric moves to show us. Uh, and, and he was—he really uh, <laughs> his main reason to come to Arkansas, from what I heard, was he wanted to play with KJ Jefferson because he thinks that KJ 
is the best returning quarterback in the SEC, and he wanted to play on the highest level. So okay. not yeah. only did he want to step up in the FCS, but he wanted to compete at the highest level of football, which, as you alluded to, is the SEC. If there's any doubt, look at the 65-7 to score in the national championship game. That wasn't Absolutely. the first game of the year, folks. That was the game for the national championship, 65-7. to 7. Yep. There's not really much to say about it. I mean, uh, Georgia scored touchdowns on eight out of their first 11 possessions of the game. I mean, you know, there's not really a lot of game notes you got to go over. They were, they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, a, a stat in the first half that jumped out to me was TCU ran three plays, three big mo in 30 minutes of football in Georgia's wow. territory. Three. Offensive snaps. Wow. That, uh, that's dominance right there. That, that's complete and total dominance, especially given how many points TCU put on Michigan, who yeah, many people absolutely. thought was the best team in the nation beginning yeah. the college football playoff. That's right. So. Uh, you know, and, and you know, and really, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't predict the score correctly, but you know, if you go back to last week's episode, there was a big if I threw out there. If the touted Georgia defense showed up, it could get out of hand. And that's exactly what happened. It, got, exactly out what it happened. got out of hand quick. Yep, the, de- the defense helped the offense, and they kind of just fed on each other. The, the offense kept the defense rested by staying on the field and scoring points, and then the defense just came and, Barnstorm TCU and gave good field position to the offense. It was just exactly how any any coach would want to draw it up for Georgia and um, a game that TCU would would surely hope to forget. You know, and I, I really like your wording. You said they they fed off each other, and it was a feeding frenzy of frogs because it was it was dogs I, over frogs. We we both love our our, our fair fresh. Uh, mess of fried frog legs and that's exactly what it was it was a frog leg beasting frenzy for the georgia well, bulldogs <laughs> I, i'll never forget I, I when it comes to tcu i never get uh too uh, i'm never i never quit to uh to uh call anything before the game's over because i i never forget i, I went and saw the nc state game when they played ba- baseball and I believe it was 2014 uh, we had a uh, the uh, regionals there and NC state needed to beat TCU one out of two games in the regionals. And in the first of those two games, we were ahead by eight runs Ahead by eight runs going into the eighth inning. And uh, that's when I started talking about some frog legs too. Kind of, kind of loudly on the, yeah. And anyway, needless to say, we, we blew an eight run lead in two innings, TCU took us to extra innings, beat us in the 10th inning, and then we had to come back out there the day later, and they whipped us the day later. And that's the last that you've ever heard me talk about frog legs when it comes to TCU. Wow. <laughs> well, again, you know, and that's why I'm doing it post-game, because, you know, if you remember going into the, to the bowl season, I was kind of high on TCU myself, and... I just I didn't have I didn't have enough 
to pick on the beat the dogs. And, no, and the thing no, is, they you know, were, we don't have to. Yeah. We don't have to spend much time talking about this because you know this isn't a Georgia Bulldog podcast. But no, it's not. They have they have a chance to make football history. Looking ahead, they could be three peats, and that's scary because their their defense last year was ain't, so ain't going to happen. But they put nine players in the NFL. Well, this year, most of those guys on defense, newsflash for everybody, they're not loaded with seniors. There's a lot of those guys on that defense that are coming back. So I'm not going to say they're going to three feet either. I'm just, it, it would just, I mean, it's something that's, uh, you know, just worth a mention because, you know, it, it could be something that we don't see anybody have a chance to do for a very, very long time. Now, is their quarterback? I mean, their quarterback. This was his last year, right? He's twenty-five years old. I, I believe that. Uh, I believe he's. I believe he's done. Yes, That's, that would be. Had great. to be his last year. I, I have to believe that this two peat for Georgia. I'm going to attribute this directly. I say very directly to the COVID nineteen pandemic. From my perspective, if there's not a COVID-19 pandemic, there is no repeat for Georgia. Now, give Georgia credit because they completely reloaded a lot of guys. But guys like Bennett, they got to spend an extra year in college. Bennett's 25 years old, okay? He's long past where most NFL, and he's definitely an NFL caliber quarterback, but he's long past where most NFL caliber quarterbacks would have already went on to the next level. The reason is that extra year of eligibility that they got from the COVID-19 um, that dissuaded a lot of good players from entering the draft uh, after last year and kept them around for this year. Because you have to remember, in bowl season 2021, just, just last bowl season, we were... I would say arguably still at the height of the pandemic. That's when they wouldn't even play the Sun Bowl. I'm sorry, the Holiday Bowl that NC State was in. NC State couldn't even find somebody to play them. So there were a bunch of kids during December and January of 2021-2022 who were deciding, hey, I don't want to go to the NFL right now because things are a mess. Things are a mess. I, 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 there's been a lot of issues this year, the past, that, that year that maybe they didn't exhibit their abilities like they could have because of whatever issues with the pandemic, and they wanted another year to come back. That's what, to me, really, and of course a lot of good luck, led to this Georgia championship. It was a fluke. I'm here to state on this podcast there will not be a Georgia repeat. And, in fact, I will stay on this podcast that in the rest of the 2020s, from here until 2030, there will not be another Georgia National Championship. Wow. And that's for many reasons. One one being the expansion of the SEC to Oklahoma and Texas. But yeah. Georgia, we've seen the end of Georgia, in my in my, my view. They, they had a nice peak here. Georgia's going to be a good team, but they're not going to be national champions anymore. I'm calling it right now. Oh, good. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a very, I mean, that's a very, and, and, and folks, in case you're wondering out there, that's why, you know, that's why we love Big Mo so much because he had, and, and he won't back down from that statement if, you know, this podcast carries on for another 10 years. He won't back down from that even if he was wrong. He's not going to say no. <laughs> I'm not taking that statement back. I don't care if it is recorded. 
not taking it back. I said it, and I meant well, it. Well, that, that's the beautiful oh, thing, is that this, the, the, yeah, this podcast is so, publicly broadcast, so seven years from now, we can go back on this podcast, and I'll be listening to probably my voice just as I am right now, and I'll be saying, didn't I tell y'all? Everybody thought yeah. Georgia was great, but we found out they won it during the two most the product of the two most um, hectic and uncertain and um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, and I'm not against Georgia. I like Georgia, but this is a product of a very strange time in our country, the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, and, all right, well, my, myself, I, I guess while, you know, we have all this, uh, this oldness streak going, keep this one on recording, too. I'm going to be bold <laughs> enough to say with the expanded playoff, that our beloved Razorbacks and possibly oh. NC State play for one in that same time period. I hope so. I said play I, for one. I'm not discounting that. And I'm not saying Georgia won't play for one or, or get close. But the, that expanded playoff, Big Mo, yeah. it's going to change college football as we know it. You see, Georgia has moved into the category of really being the hunted. They're no longer they're the hunters. They're, they're no longer a feel-good story. Georgia is the hunted now. And when you're the hunted in the SEC, you wind up like Alabama wound up this year, not even in the playoff, because everybody's bringing their game for you. And I also think adding Texas and Oklahoma to the equation is going to change things. It's going to make it much more difficult for there to be one team that comes out of the SEC. To me, it's it's remarkable that remarkable that Georgia was able to come out of the SEC at all this year, and honestly, they need a lot of good luck. They even they barely even got past Ohio State. That was a, almost a miracle that, that they won that they won that game. And I think they'll yeah. say that first of, of anyone. Uh, I, but I, um, I agree. You know they they had they had a lot of good luck along the way, and we're going to have an expanded playoff. I don't know what year that particularly starts, but you're only going to have two, maybe three more years of having this four playoff system. Once you get an expanded playoff, you're going to have Georgia playing not just two games, you're going to have them playing three games against teams that are absolutely geared up for them, just like Tulane was geared up for USC this year, and those are hard games to win. If I heard correctly, you know, I I, I think they're pushing for the expanded playoff in 20. in, in 2023 to 24. Uh, you might have to correct me on that one, uh, big guy, but uh, if, I, if I heard right or saw right, the, that expanded playoff is, is is coming, you know, around the corner, not not three or four down, uh, years down. I'm, I'm seeing 2024 here. 2024. Seeing that that, it's so starting that, with the 20, so next year will be the same. Uh, it won't be until 2024, of course, early January of 2025, that okay. you will, will have an expanded playoff. So, so this, this next this, coming this year next is going to be under the current playoff. system. Okay. It's still going to be 14, yeah. So. Good, uh, good clarification there. Yeah, but no, uh, I'd have to see some schedules, too, come out. But no, Georgia is a marked team right now. They are a marked and, team, and... Uh, you you had some kind of strange things that that went on as far as um, you know LSU coming out of the West and and beating uh, you know it, it was it was kind of a 
a strange time, right. and I, I'm trying to check back on their schedule. Did did they beat T- Did they beat Tennessee? Yeah, Georgia was undefeated. Georgia had no marks on their record. Okay, I do see that they they played Tennessee, and they were yep. number one. Beat them at home. Yep. And, and you know, and as you as you alluded to in the in the. Uh, beginning of this of this episode that you know unless you have some more comments aside from the re- recruiting stuff the little trickles that are going to happen in the next few weeks we, we can all we can close the book on college football yeah for this year we can't we can't but i would enough. point out georgia didn't play alabama this year you know yeah that's true small small thing and of course they didn't play arkansas I'd no, say that we would not say we were beating them this year, but I'm not saying you know any I'm, any team. I'm the optimist on on you know on our team, but I agree with you. I'm very optimistic about this coming season. Uh, you know, obviously the KJ Jefferson factor, uh, four returning offensive linemen, uh, you know, a, a starting running back that you know probably in my opinion, was the best running back in the conference in Rocket Sanders. Uh, you know, even though he didn't have the quote-unquote rushing title. So there's a lot of good pieces coming back on offense. Obviously, the defense is going to be a question mark, but we have to be better, Big Mo, on defense because get this. This is a mind-blowing stat. You like stats. The fans like stats. Who I led like SEC in sacks as a team? This past football season, um, led I'd have to say LSU. The, the, the leader in sacks for a team in the SEC was our beloved Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, are we talking about just SEC play or all the games? Just, just, just SEC number one was the Arkansas Razorbacks. Would wow. you care to get to where we were in total pass defense? In the country, we should be no high in sacks, right? Well, you would think. In the country, there are 131 Division One teams. The Arkansas Razorbacks were dead last in pass defense. So there's no how, way how can that go be? But up, it, it's just a crazy stat. Like I said, a crazy stat. Last in passing defense in the entire country. So our good defensive coordinator doesn't have a hard job. He's got a hard position to fill, but he doesn't have to have a hard job. You just have to make sure you're not 131st in pass defense. That should be your only goal. Make sure we're not dead last in pass defense. Mm -hmm. So there's only one way up on the defense. Not only only one way to go is up, because in offense we still scored a heck of a lot of points. Granted, some games we didn't score near enough, but the defense has got to improve, and that's what I want to see in, in the 2023-2024 season for the Razorbacks is improvement on defense. This yep. defense wins championships. This is what wins championships is not offense. It's defense. I can give you many examples. You know, in, in Super Bowl, in Super Bowl Fifty Five, Tampa Bay didn't win that with a great offense. They kept Kansas City out of the end zone and beat them thirty to nine. That's yep. what happened. 
But yep. you know, I'm I'm the defensive proponent of this podcast, and I'm begging somebody to get to the heel, tell somebody that matters we got to be better on defense. I mean, it's it's the truth, and and we. You know, it, it gets said a lot, but it really is the truth when it comes to football. Is that defense does win championships. You're going to have games like Georgia went undefeated this year, but you're going to have games where your offense does not score points. For a case in point, Georgia on um, the week before Thanksgiving played in Kentucky. Georgia's offense only scored 16 points. 16 points all game against the University of Kentucky. How did they manage to pull that one off? Well, their defense held them to six. Kentucky did not get in the end zone that game. And so you're going to have games where your offense puts up stakers. Another example of that is where the Georgia offense only scored 26 against Missouri. But their defense held them to 22. They had a strong defense. Ask Jim Harbaugh in Michigan if scoring 45 points is good enough to win in the college football playoff. It's not. Because you gave up 51. That's right. And and also, you've got to be able to play... College football. Yeah, you've got to be able to play timely defense, too. Now, Georgia's defense struggled mightily for three quarters against Ohio State. Going into the fourth quarter, the score is 38-24 Buckeyes. In the fourth quarter, though, after after Ohio State put up 38 in the first three, when it really mattered, Georgia only gave up three points. They gave up a single 48-yard field goal, and, of course, the one that missed at the end uh, obviously didn't count. But uh, they gave up one field goal in the, in the fourth quarter, giving their offense a chance to come back. All it would have taken to end that game was a single Ohio State touchdown in the fourth quarter. If that would have happened, there would have been no repeat. But Georgia's defense bowed up when it it needed it the most. Exactly. And I'll be honest, when it comes to Arkansas, what I saw a lot this year was I saw pretty strong, if not elite, defensive play in the first half. And then sometimes just outright implosions in the second half. Uh, and I'm looking at, at that Kansas game and that Ole Miss game in particular. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. were those were absolutely abysmal second half performances, where for both of them we were just felt like we were hanging on for dear life because we couldn't stop them at the end of the game. And, and another one, Big Mo, is the, the fourth quarter defense against Alabama was just. I mean, yeah, I mean you're you're not going to win football games if if anyone has ever watched the NFL, you know one thing about the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is they're never out of a game. That's right, and that's because it's so hard to stop them late in the game because they make adjustments on the other defense, right. and eventually you just don't have enough time to outlast them. You know, football is a is a sixty minute game. It's a sixty minute game, and with same if Ark if you're only playing thirty minutes, you're not going to be able to in at least today's uh, college football game. You're not going to be able to hold people off, just hoping the time runs out. At some time, you got to you got to make the stop, and and we. Uh, 
that is that is the number one place for improvement is that Arkansas needs to be gaining ground as the game goes on rather than in, in a lot of our wins we're getting that head start and then we're we're clamming up and and some of this is on Sam Pittman he like when we have the lead he likes to get real conservative I saw a lot of punts in opposing territory this year where um where we had the when we had the lead against Kansas, we were trying like I, I said on our last podcast, we were trying to get yards three yards at a time. What I would rather do on offense, even when we have stay the lead, aggressive. Stay, aggressive. Yeah, stay aggressive. Try to get that, especially when you have a, a quarterback like KJ Jefferson. Try to get a first down on every play. Only one of those plays needs to work out. One out of three. If you, if, if you try for that 10-yard play every single down, you only have to hit it one time to get it. But if you're trying three yards at a time, then you have to get those three or four yards every single play in order to get that first down. Right. So you know, that's what killed us against you know, Kansas. Big time aggressive play calling. You know, I mean, Georgia's a 38-7. to seven. And their next drive, they don't get conservative. On third down, Bennett hits a like a thirty-one yard pass across the yeah. middle. They never yeah. stopped calling their plays just because they were, you know, barnstorming uh, somebody. Yeah, they that's how you have to do it until the fourth quarter. I mean, you're talking midway to the fourth quarter, and Kirby Smart says, "You know what? Let's put some of these young guys in." And guess what? Even with the young guys in, they still scored two more touchdowns. They never stop running their offense. Yeah, so that's how. That's exactly how you have. I, to I'm be. not a. I'm not an advocate for running score up on people. I mean, you know when enough's enough, but you don't. You don't get conservative, especially as Arkansas. I mean, we, we're not in any position to let the gas off on anybody. We got a match on it for 2023. You know. Yeah. That's what we got to do. And 2023 or 2024, we got to. Uh, if you include that bowl game. so You know, and I, I think that's before the bowl game. I think we need to, to win eight regular season games regardless of what the schedule is, and I haven't seen the schedule. I just think that, you know, you, you have a – he's not even a, a returning quarterback anymore. You have a seasoned veteran quarterback in college football in K.J. Jefferson. You have something that's rare because of the NFL and the transfer portal. And, I mean, he's got a chance to set all kinds of records. And so everything's on the table in front of him. And so I don't think Coach Pittman has any excuse not to win eight games. Obviously, we're replacing a bunch of players. Guess what? 
so are the majority of the teams that didn't win the college football championship. There's a lot of teams replacing players. So we don't have that excuse either, Big Mo. we got to go out there and get it done this year. Eight, I mean, to me, it's eight or, eight or breaking. Well, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm certainly hopeful that we do win eight. And um, it, a lot of things you, you say do make sense. I, I'm definitely looking for improvement. And again, I'm I'm hopeful that we will win eight games. But I'm also very confident in Sam Pittman, and uh, I I feel like he's going to get that done. I, I feel like we're not going to have to have a conversation about whether his job's in jeopardy. Um, but if if for some reason he felt short, he fell short of that goal. I'd have to look carefully about why we fell short because I. I I just don't see it being Sam's fault if we can't get there. We we like you said, we've got some good recruiting going on right now. We've got some key players returning. And um, you know, as as you know, this year we had a lot of games we should have won. We just won. terrible luck. Texas A and M, terrible luck. LSU, terrible luck having KJ out. We got beat by Liberty somehow. Missouri was just a complete disaster that I don't really want to think about. There's a lot of games out there we left on the field that we should have had. So I don't do think eight is, eight is too much. I don't think that's asking too much. I, I'll be expecting to say. We, I know we can, but, but it was a weird year. These are things that I don't expect to happen next year. I don't. I, I think I'm, I'm hoping next year we get good breaks instead of bad breaks. Because we didn't have be, a whole lot of good breaks this year, honestly. No, it's got to be the reverse. I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, now and you, you also have to remember, we're coming off. It, you just look at the year before last. I know there was a pandemic going on, but that was a very sweet year for us. Very sweet year. We beat Texas A&M. We beat Ole Miss. Yes. We beat LSU. Yes. We beat Missouri. Yes. And then we went and we beat Penn State in the bowl game. So you, I, I give anyone who does that in a year a lot of credit. I wanted to see it happen again this year. I felt like it should have happened this year. And I think next year it's going to break like it did the year before. I, I really feel like we're going to get the breaks that we didn't this year because we're going to remember the pain of this year. Yep. We're going to remember how painful it was to lose games like that game at LSU and A&M when we had them. We had them, right. you know? Had them. Yep. So, totally. Um, but anyway, so I, I think we've talked enough about college yeah. football now, and, and that so, season is winding down. Hey, let's we, let's we, switch to a, an equally – sort talking about a season that's over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's let's switch to a to a kind of a sore topic right now, and that's the Razorback basketball team. Um, Hogs just dropped two games to teams from the state of Alabama in uh, a home loss to the Crimson Tide last night, and then a uh, loss at Auburn this past weekend. Uh, give us your thoughts on these two games, uh, Jackson. You know, we, we know how tough in college basketball it is to win on the road. Uh, yep. One thing you have to be able to do, you have to be able to make free throws. We didn't do that against Auburn. You have to play solid defense. We didn't do that against Auburn, and we got beat. So I think, you know, oh, yeah, we're coming back to the Palace. We're, we're going. We're going to do magical things at Bud Walton just like we always do. 
and and I, I don't have very many thoughts about last night's game. I can sum it up in this: what a difference fifty seconds makes. Arkansas cut a thirteen point lead to two in the second half. Fifty seconds later, we're down by seven. Fifty seconds was the difference in that game, and mm-hmm. it just you know it just seems like you know we're 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 just right on the cusp of of maybe starting to make a turnaround, and you know I, I just want to. I, I, I'm not going to get down on Coach Muss. It just seems like this is a repeating thing every year. I think last year we started 1-4 and four in the conference. The year before we started 0-3, oh or maybe that's vice versa. But what happened in both those years, Big Mo? We went to the Elite Eight. I'm, I'm trying not to be on the ledge right now, and, and I'm trying to keep myself from jumping. It's only January. And I'd rather have these losses in January as this team continues to get better going towards the tournament time that we love so much. And I, think I agree. We're just going to get them there. But it's got to be it's got to be the solid play of, of Anthony Black. It's got to be the solid play of Jordan Walsh. Devontae Davis played out of his mind last night. Jalen Graham came off the bench and, and brought a spark. Uh, I think he might need to get a start. Uh, I'd like to see Joseph Pinion play some more. There's just a lot of things that, that the team has to work on. And, and the thing is, you don't have the, the off-season now to work on it. You've got to work on it in season. So, yeah, yeah we, we've started we've started kind of bad again. But this is a recurring thing for Coach Moss, and I think he's going to figure it out over the next uh, six to eight weeks. I think we'll be having a different talk. I think so, too. We, 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 we have a lot of problems right now. But like you said, looking at the bigger picture, this is the time of the season that you want to have problems and that when you're a really well-coached team, you can you have enough time to bounce back from it once you identify what the problems are. The problem, I mean, the issue is is there, there's a lot of problems. Uh, I think one of two things has to happen. One, we either need to get Nick Smith Jr. back or two, we're going to have to learn to play a different style of ball or basically have players take on different roles than what they're what we have right now. Those are one or two things. We, we can't just continue on the way we are. We're going to, if we get Nick Smith Jr., I think he's going to fill an extremely important scoring void that right now is is we need to have filled. If not, we're going to have to have one player or another step up and and become that extra scorer that we need. And and here's here's my thing, and, and you know I can't get in the ear of uh, you know any of the assistant coaches or coach much. I don't I don't have that ability. But if your name is not Joseph Pinion, or if your name is not. Uh, Anthony Black, do not shoot the three. I mean, what are we doing? If, if you go back and look at the Auburn game, big stat, we shot 43% from inside the arc in the Auburn game. We were atrocious from three. If you take half the threes we shot and shoot yeah. inside the arc and make six more free throws, guess what? We win the game by three before it's over. No overtime yeah. needed. 
We went well, we were atrocious last night. There was only one. There's only one player on Arkansas's team who made a three pointer last night. Do you know who that was? And before he made it, he was seven out of thirty something on the season. Devonte Davis. Yeah. And the only player in the world that I even want shooting a three right now. Yeah. There, there is no reason on the Arkansas basketball team for anybody to shoot outside of that black line if his name's not Joseph Pinion. I'm sorry. If it's not Joseph Pinion, I don't want anybody shooting a three. We, we are almost unstoppable. You can look at the games. You can you can look inside the arc score. We're almost unstoppable when we go to the glass. When we drive to the basket and we attack, our offense is very very hard to stop because you don't know if we're going to throw a hoop. You don't know if it's going to be a pick and roll. You don't know what's coming. You don't know if Anthony Button's going to pull up and shoot from 12 feet, which is almost, you know, just automatic. Yet. So, and, and which, by the way, he's getting a lot of love because he is projected as the number three player in, in the NFL draft. So he, he's, he's getting his eye out there on, on a national stage where people are like, man, he's one of the best players in the country. So we're, we're, we're going to be okay that's that's what I want to tell Razor Rec Nation. We're gonna be on. We're gonna be okay. But I'm telling myself, be patient. Just come March, when it counts, when it really, really counts, this team's gonna be hard to beat by anybody. Especially with Nick Smith Jr. back on the court. And I don't want to put it on one player, Big Mo. It's not one player's fault that we're struggling. But he brings a he brings a dynamic to the game because now. If you don't, if you have to account for him. You have to be, you have to put your best defender on on Nick Smith Jr. or he's going to torch you. And then that leaves Anthony Black open. That leaves Jordan Walsh open to do their mm-hmm. thing. Not counting the Mitchell twins. Not counting yeah. Jalen Graham. So yeah. yeah, he brings back a huge, a huge piece that's missing, and he, he hasn't missed any words. There's been players, there's been Instagram posts that people are like. Well, I bet you five hundred dollars he doesn't come back. Nick Smith responded to that. Said, "Well, you're gonna have a hard time collecting that money. You're gonna lose." So he, he just put it out there that he's coming back to his team. We just don't know when. Okay. Well, and I, as for the game last night, I, as as for the Auburn game, I mean, obviously, uh, like you said, it was a road game, Tough and. I, that's I think I think that's problem number one that Arkansas has is that there are some real questions right now about whether this team can play on the road. Obviously, we won a huge game at a neutral site when we played in Tulsa, uh, which most people would consider more of a home game. I guarantee you there are more Razorback fans there than Oklahoma fans. Um, but. Uh, uh, but so we won a neutral site, and obviously we won when we went to Hawaii, and and we we performed well in Hawaii. But there's a real question right now whether Arkansas can beat a good team or even a decent team on the road. We dropped to LSU, and now we just dropped to Auburn. So I think that's one issue is going into another yeah, hostile environment and winning. That's that's one issue. But the big issue we got right now. Yeah, the big issue we got right now is, is like you said, we can't. Shoot, we we are not able to shoot the ball. We're just not able to shoot the ball. If you take away, and again, give a lot of credit to Alabama because they are a strong defensive team. And in my mind, when it comes to SEC, they are as synonymous with defense as any team since 
I guess the uh, the forty minutes of hell Razorbacks uh, has ever has been in the SEC. Alabama will shut you down uh, on defense. They pride themselves in that, so give them a lot of credit. But if you take away the field goal percentage from the Mitchell twins and Jalen Graham, we shot less than thirty percent. Every other guy on the floor was was a combined thirteen for forty four last night. That's less than thirty percent on your own home floor. That's atrocious. That's atrocious from the field. We've got to improve that. And yeah, you can say attack the glass. I hate to say it, hate to burst anybody's bubble, but in the modern basketball game, if you're not able to make three pointers and and people don't have to guard you for three pointer, they can just basically stack the paint. You're not going to beat good teams. Period. You've got to have somebody on the team who can take threes, who can take you know, jump shots, make people spread the floor, and that's how you get to the glass. So uh, as much as I would like to say, hey, we don't need to shoot anymore, let's just keep going to the glass, it's just not going to work. Right. Um, and, and to solve that, Big Moa, it comes down to coaching because when you look at the box score, who, who in my opinion, your best three-point shooter probably by percentage would be Joseph Pinion. He played 31 seconds. In the game. <laughs> that's right. He played 31 seconds. Yeah. That's not going, that's not a recipe for, for success. When and, and again, that's opinionated, but to me, he's our best chance at hitting an open three. And he well, played 31 seconds. But, I, but you also, I, they, I mean, well. I, I know it, it's a two-sided. Exactly. Side. The, the defense is kind of lacking. And. You know, and I, I mean, well, and, and, and that brings me to the to the third or maybe the fourth problem that we have is it's not just that we can't shoot and particularly can't shoot threes, which is a major problem. the The worst problem is we can't defend the three. We, if you're not going to shoot the three, at least you better have guys out there who can defend the three. We allowed Alabama to make nine threes to our two on our home floor. They were nine for 20, 45%. And incredibly, Alabama shot a higher percentage from th- from the three-point line than Arkansas shot from in the entire field all night. And a lot of those came from... Uh, Jalen Graham was 8 for 10, and the Mitchell twins were 5 for 7. That's including those uh, inflated percentages into that. Alabama's uh, three-point percentage was still higher than our whole field goal percentage. Wow. You cannot play that type of defense. And, and expect to win or even it's, – it's honestly amazing that the game was as close as it was given the stats. You know, and, and you know, you made a you made a comment a while ago about winning on the road, and I I, I don't want to say obviously I said that you know it's only January, you don't want any must wins this early in the season, but our next two games are on the road. I'm not going to say that we have to, but I think it's crucial for the rest of the season when we win one of those games on the road just to show ourselves that we can, because you know, yes, I hundred percent agree. And that's a tough place to play. Whatever it is about Vanderbilt, 
because when you see Vanderbilt on TV, it doesn't look like they even have a crowd. It looks like you're playing in a yeah. high school gymnasium yep. with, uh, you know, with uh, <laughs> a spirit squad watching. And, you know, but for some reason, guess what? It's another place that historically the Razorbacks don't play well in. Yep. One of the one of these road games, we got to go snatch from somebody. If we don't get these, you know, quote unquote, easier ones right now, how how are you going to go on the road and beat Alabama when they could possibly be number one in the country at that time? Because they, I mean, they were number four last night. I mean, the right people lose in front of them. Alabama could be number one. We play them again. You're going to go on the road to number one Alabama and win, and you can't go to Vanderbilt. You know, so I mean, it's, it's to me, it's almost crucial. That yeah. we're in this game against Vanderbilt at the end if we don't win it. I mean, I, I think we, 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 hey, players, no, we got to win this. The players, but but, but again, the help. problem is you, we've got we've got problems to fix, and we we've, we've got to focus. You're not going to a win doesn't come from everywhere. A win is a sum of many uh, successful ex- executions of skills on the court. And if you can't shoot the ball, number one, and you can't defend the three, number two, and uh, and that is even worse when you're on the road, then those are those are problems you've got. Those are problems that are going to keep you from getting that win. But I, I got to point out another problem that that's just as bad as the other problems, and that's our we can't shoot free throws. Oh, our free we we shot fifty nine percent. From against Auburn, we left 13 free throws sitting out there. It took 32 free throws, only made 19. If we would have made all of them, of course, no one expects that, but we would have you know, sent it to overtime had we made them all. And then we turn around against Alabama, we only shoot 65%. It's not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. You, if, if you're going to be a team that cannot shoot threes and can't challenge people uh, with, with, with a bunch of shots – uh, from you know outside the paint, you've got to at least make your free throws because your margin of error is that much smaller. Absolutely. Back back Absolutely. when I uh, when I attended NC State, NC State had uh, my my first year when I was there had a player by the name of Julius Hodges. You remember him? Julius Hodges. Uh, okay. Well, Julius Hodges, he, he was he's one of the all-time NC State greats. But he, he never, I mean, very rarely would shoot a three. Very, even though he was, you know, about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, he was like a small forward type player, a skinny guy, but would very rarely shoot three. He was all about getting in the paint, basket cuts, creating drives. Um, and that's that was kind of the motto of, of most of the team now the team did have a designated guy or two who made threes and that was an important part of their game um but at the same time sometimes that guy's threes weren't falling the one one thing nc state did extremely well and has always done is that when they did get to the line they made free throws and that's what helped that that team. Uh, then my first year of, of college, we made it to the Sweet Sixteen. We upset Connecticut as the number ten seed, and made it to the Sweet Sixteen as a number ten seed. And the reason we did that was because when we played those big teams, we did not. We knew our margin for error was small because our best player and scorer was not capable of making threes, and that was Julius Hodges. So. Wow. 
we couldn't when we got to the line we knew we couldn't afford to give those those points away you had to make them arkansas if arkansas wants to be that team that basically is going to just control the paint dominate people with high percentage shots and there are teams out there who can successfully do that and have successfully done that but if that's going to be your identity your identity also has to be making free throws right and and which we've done you know in these two elite eight runs we've done so well that getting to the line and not only getting to the line knocking down free throws uh, I mean, I think that, you know, the Gonzaga yeah. game last year. We did it last We've one, done it the, our past two Elite Eight runs. Those were teams that made free throws. That's one reason we beat Gonzaga. We got their big man in, big man in foul trouble. And when we went to the line, we knocked down free throws. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and that's and that was key. And and I think that, you know, for me, the, the two keys, and this is going to sound simple, but the two keys to beating Vanderbilt this weekend is is solid defense, solid defense, and making free throws. Those two things, we win. Yeah. We're gonna win. Yeah. Well, I will. I, I, well, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. And solid defense and free throws. I, I agree. I mean that that I mean. Fifty nine percent won't cut it this week. No, it won't. It won't. But like the, the bottom That's line is, I don't. If I if I was the answer, <laughs> I I don't have all the answers. I'm not sure anyone, uh, you know, other than no, maybe Coach Musselman does. Questions right now. Too many questions. There's too many questions. But I will say this. I will tell. If I had to pick someone to end up at the end of the year with. In, in all of the SEC, I would still pick Arkansas right now is if, if to, to go with. And that's because Arkansas has one thing that these other teams don't have. Even though these other teams have better skills, they're playing more polished basketball, Arkansas has tremendous, malleable talent. They just have raw talent, size, and athleticism. Absolutely. And that's the one ingredient that you just can't it's 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 so valuable. It's so it's hard to find. It's just guys who are athletes who have talent, extreme talent, and Arkansas has that. Yes. And so, hats off to these other teams for playing well. But I'm still optimistic about Arkansas because the potential is there for all of these guys to grow and and change their games throughout the season and improve. And, in fact, I would be shocked if they didn't. The problem is figuring out how to do that. And that's where you got to have a great coach, and we're very fortunate to have one. And, you know, and, and the, the last couple of seasons, I think, you know, somewhere around this point, you know, you, you can look back a, a lot a lot quicker than, you know, than I can. But I, I, it just seems like this point in those seasons that Coach Muss found the right combination of guys and then he just stuck with them, you know, hardly ever changing the lineup. And I don't think he's found that right, uh, the right pieces at the same time. And yeah. one player over the next four or five weeks, you know, mark this down somewhere, one player over the next four or five weeks that's got to stay consistent is Jordan Walsh for me. Jordan I, well, that's another word that I was going to – that's my last problem I was going to throw at you, and that's consistency. Our last problem is even when we do things well, we don't do them. We don't get consistent performances. 
from players. So we got, like I said, we got a lot of problems. We're, shooting is a problem. De- defending behind behind the arc is a problem. Free throw shooting is a problem. Playing on the road is a problem, and being consistent is a problem. We've got problems everywhere, but I would still I still like our chances because we have raw talent. We've got that 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 you know almost like oil bubbling up from the earth. It's just waiting to explode out. And other teams don't have the kind of talent we do. We just need to figure out the pieces of the puzzle. I don't know who it's going to happen to, Big Mo, but sometime between now and March, we're going to beat somebody by 40 just because we're going to shoot 8 out of 10 from the three-point line. We're going to make 24 free throws in a game. And we're going to have multiple scores. We're going to have multiple scores (laughs) and double figures. And it's just going to be way too much offense. And there's yeah. going to be probably 16 or 17 turnovers for us. And that, and that is Coach Musselman's key yes. to victory. His turnovers, your, your, your defense turns it over into offense. And you got a three-on-two fast break, or you have a, a four-on-one, or you have a breakaway dunk. And it all comes, it all stems from the defense. So, I never, never underestimate a great coach, and no, never underestimate talent when it comes to basketball. Do it. That's what experience has taught me. We didn't uh, have this problem. We have Kentucky's problem now. We have a bunch of five stars that have to learn how to play together, and once they do, they figure out, hey, we're world beaters. So, all right, all right. Well, it's time to switch gears now uh, to the NFL and get some. Closing thoughts on uh, some upcoming games. Obviously, the Saints season is over. They finished with a loss to the Panthers and a really, really meaningless game for both teams, uh, but still alive for uh, at least this podcast uh, is the T- Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Tom Brady. Uh, any thoughts on Monday night showdown in Tampa with the Dallas Cowboys, Jackson? This is a this is not a position where uh, at the beginning of the season I thought my beloved Bucks would be in. I was thinking that you know they might have uh, you know had a stronger season than they have, and they they just they just really struggled. So hosting a playoff game is is a disappointment. Yeah, well, it, it is. You know, it, I guess it's where it's how it all how we got there. And, uh, yeah, hosting is great. Don't get me wrong. I, I was just, you know, hoping for, you know, a, you know, a three, three or four loss season, a more, more dominating, dominating performance from my team and just didn't have it. And now that being said, uh, very possible for Brady to be eight and I will come Tuesday against the Cowboys because I, it's just, a, it's a team he's never lost to, uh, the, the getting time is right at the Cowboys right now. I mean, they Dak's coming off the worst game he's ever played, and he's going to come out geared up thinking, okay, well, that game's behind me. I'm fixing to go out here and show him why I'm the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and I think he's going to flop again. Uh, I just think our defense is going to be too much for him, and, you know, I think we begin uh, the, the playoffs on Monday night with with the win uh, over, over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think so too. I mean, I, I've shared, I think I shared my thoughts last week about the Tampa Bay's. I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Tampa Bay. I mean, I think the 
schedule really sets up for them. They have Dallas this week. If they win that, they have Philadelphia and Philly. And I don't think either one of those games scare anyone. Um, again, now obviously Dallas isn't scared of Tampa Bay. And Philadelphia is not scared of them either, even though Dallas lost to them this year in the opening opening game. Um, but those are games I feel like could go either way. And if you're a Tampa Bay fan, that's all you can ask for is is basically a, a coin flip game. Because uh, I mean, what are they? An eight and nine team? Did they have a winning record? Nine and eight? Uh, well, we you know we we finished with the losing record for the first time really? in Brady's career. Yeah, I mean, so you got you got a team with a losing record, and you're telling me that they are two, at I think it at worst coin flip games away from getting to the NFC Championship. Roll out the red carpet. I, it, to me, it just confirms Brady's absolute brilliance for picking the correct division to go in. And and I've also heard some talk uh, this week about how. You know, Brady claims he's not retiring this year. I, I highly doubt that. But that he might move to a different team after this season. And they were talking about the Miami Dolphins. And yeah. I, I, that, that to me is an absolute non-starter for anyone as smart as Tom Brady. Because you realize if you go to that division, you're going to have to compete with the Buffalo Bills. And the whole, the whole brilliance of his move to the – NFC South in Tampa Bay was not only did he get to play in warm weather and obviously a climate that the place he, he loves to be uh, just just to live in, which is Tampa's obviously great. But even if you have a losing year, a complete disaster of a year like he had, which was an unmitigated disaster in virtually every respect, you still are hosting a playoff game because you have no other really uh, competitors in the division. It's utterly brilliant. Uh, and, um, you know, it worked out like a charm for him. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Tom Brady and Tampa Bay to, to go deep. So, so if, what, you're, what you're saying, Big Mo, is it would, be, it would be dumb of him to play anywhere else next year. No, I'm not play. saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it would be dumb of him to play in Miami. I'm shooting that down. Now, I'm not saying there's no other. No, I mean I'm looking. I would if if there's any place that you would go just for an easy division, I'd be looking at the NFC North, especially if Aaron Rodgers doesn't return, because that to me is pretty wide open. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah, you got Minnesota at the top of it this year, but Minnesota is one of those teams that was is similar to like New Orleans was when Tom Brady came to the NFC South. I right. see Minnesota as, as more on the decline than the, the. I mean, I don't see them ascending. Uh, you know, the, the fairly weak when it comes to division, uh, best teams in the division. You know. Uh, obviously, Minnesota got crushed by the Cowboys, forty to three. They lost to. Uh, they got embarrassed by the Packers recently in the second to last game of the year in a game that I thought Minnesota was going to win. Just absolutely run off the field by the Packers, who then lost to the Lions to end the Packers season. So, no. I, the, but but the the thing is, I don't think I think Tom Brady, he's a fan of warm weather. 
is what I've heard, and it, it certainly makes sense to me. If you're going to be playing most of your meaningful football in, in January or, or December, then I would want warm weather too. And so I don't know if there's any warm weather destinations uh, that make sense for him. But let's uh, he's going to retire. If he doesn't retire, that that's a mistake. This needs to be his last year or, you know, possibly return to Tampa next year for one. I mean, don't even want to go there. This, this He needs to play like this is his last year. Period. I, I agree. I agree totally. And, you know, it, again, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibilities for, you know, for us to uh, to make a run. I mean, yeah, Eli did it with a, with a losing record and, uh, and run Tom Brady's uh, undefeated season. So, uh, you know, it's not nothing's out of the realm of possibilities in the NFL, uh, and I will I will definitely be be, be cheering my little heart out on Monday night that uh, that Tampa's able to to get it done and uh and, and keep hope alive. Absolutely, we'll have to see how it goes down. Um, I'm thinking that. Oh, and by the way, great, wonderful update: Demar Hamblin Hamblin is continuing to make a recovery. And he has been released from the hospital. He is now continuing his recovery in Buffalo. And I, I think I speak for the entire NFL sports community. It says that that's just wonderful news. And uh, hey, everybody's heart that. Yeah, was swells great, that was great at news. that. Great news to see, you know, that he was able to be evaluated by his own team doctors. Uh, you know, back, uh, obviously, he's been with his family since, uh, since he, you know, he woke up and uh to be back home uh, i can only imagine uh the thoughts that went through his head and uh you know it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun playoff to see and and i'm just glad that you know we're not we're not wanting the loss of one of the one of the nfl's young talents because that would have been a totally different way to, to look at this uh, playoff season going forward uh i'm so glad he made that recovery uh definite definite amen to that Amen. Amen. Well, I, I think, I think that's, that's a good place to leave it. And uh, we'll catch we'll you everyone next, next year. Yep. Next week sounds good. I'll uh, I'll be here, man. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure.